Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 219 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Adam Beswick, and we're having a good old chat about uh, selling direct, TikTok shop, and taking ownership of your sales and how it might change your life too. Even though I'm not going to be doing a question of the week, I do still want to hear from you. So if you have thoughts and comments on the episode, please do let me know, as I will still be reading them out. In personal news and updates then, this week I have been working twofold. So the first one is on uh, the webinar. And as I'm kind of creating it, I sort of wish I hadn't announced it last week. Not because it's not happening. It is. I've already chosen the weekend. Uh, I will be doing it. But because um, as I'm creating it, it's sort of changing shape. So uh, I think I won't say any (laughs) more. until I finish the slide deck. Uh, But I'm going to be announcing that. I think I'm probably going to announce um, early in the year, in the new year, uh, or maybe just before Christmas. I don't know. I feel like everybody sort of logs off off, uh, just before Christmas. So we'll see. We'll see how much I get done in the next week or two. So in other news, I have been drafting. I have got to finish the draft of this uh, first book in the new series before Christmas, before my kiddo breaks up for Christmas break. So I'm working furiously hard. I'm probably going to have to work uh, weekends up until Christmas now, but uh, well, maybe a day at the weekend just in order to try and catch up so that I can rest hard because I do tend to completely turn off at Christmas. I don't do any work at all, uh, mostly because we're driving all over the place. (laughs) visiting family and such. Uh, So it is a wonderful, completely uh, head down break, which so I don't mind working super hard to uh, get there. So I also wanted to announce that I have some speaking gigs lined up next year. So I will be at the Romance uh, Writers of New Zealand conference, which is in August. So I will be in New Zealand next year. If you are that way in the world, I would love to be able to see you. Um, I am also going to be at the Stockholm Writers Festival. That is towards the end of August. And then I'm going to be at 20 Books Seville. And I think I'm going to be at London Book Fair as well, but just for a day. So I will be at those key events. Oh, and I am also attending as a um, an attendee, (laughs) SPS in London. So I'm going to be in a whole host of variety of places. So if anybody is attending those events um, and would like to say hello, please do let me know. So as this goes out, uh, I think it's the evening this goes out. Yes, it must be because it'll be a Wednesday. I will be teaching the last masterclass of the year, which is the Dark Academia masterclass uh, with the Patreon group. So um, I'm very excited about that. That. We've read two books, Legend Born and Ninth House. And so I will be pulling out all of the lessons learned about Dark Academia and how you can create a Dark Academia novel as well uh, in that class. So I'm super excited for that. I think that is it. My main focus now between the end, between now, which is the 30th of November uh, and the end of the year is getting this book drafted, uh, getting the webinar sorted for next year and then working on my Shopify store for the fiction. Obviously, I already have my ebook store um, for Sasha, but I will be connecting uh, the WooCommerce with Book Vault uh, hopefully over Christmas. It might end up just spilling into next year. Um, oh, I say Christmas. I mean, you know... <laughs> over the December period. So those are kind of my main goals. And then of course, planning for next year, which I've got about 14 planners for next year. (laughs) I don't quite know how I ended up with so many planners. Oh, dear me. I'm literally a stationary whore. But there we go. Uh, So yeah, I'm very, very much looking forward to setting goals. And um, I'm finding it a little bit weird that I haven't already done it. And I think it's because Vegas threw me so much that I haven't quite reconciled who I am, what my name is, what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing with my life anymore. I very naively thought I would recover considerably quicker than I actually did. Um, Probably not helped by the fact that I went out with um, my uni friends who I haven't seen, well, I say friends, you know, who were my uni friends I haven't seen in 15 years at the weekend. And... um, (laughs) I'm still recovering on Wednesday. (laughs) 
Um, and of course, obviously, my son was got some kind of puking bug straight after Vegas. So it has taken me a little bit to recover, but I'm virtually there now. Anyway, life story. <laughs> Boring. You don't need to hear this. Let's uh, move on. Rebel of the week this week is Louisa. Louisa says, It's not a story about me, but about my legend of a great-great-grandmother, Sophia. It may also be about Jan, my great-great-grandfather, but, well, you'll see. Okay, so, Sophia migrated to the United States, not where I am, I'm Brazilian, we'll get to this, as a 15-year-old. She was, shit was fucked back then. People uh, on the ship got really sick. And so Sophia was given for dead. She was about to be thrown in the ocean when she basically said not today to the god of death and scared people half to death by waking up suddenly. She proceeded to live until almost 100 years old. Holy moly. That is surprising. That is surprisingly not the most interesting thing I know about her. Family history has always been that Sophia met Jan, her first husband, and my great-great-grandfather in the States, and that they got married and lived in Chicago until their son, my great-grandfather, got involved with a gang and the family had to run to Brazil. They lived there for decades, then Jan died, and after a while, Sophia remarried another man named Jan. What? <laughs> He eventually also died, and in order to save on money, gra uh, on graveyard plots, she just had him buried in the same plot as her first husband. That would already make her a legend in my eyes. Me too. But then the plot thickened. A few years ago, my mother and her siblings started researching family history, as in looking into actual documents was when we realised that at the point my great-grandfather supposedly got involved with a gang, he was only six years old. So that story is obviously fake. Then someone remembered another family rumour, and we arrived at the conclusion that the actual reason why the family fled the US was that Jan was selling falsified alcoholic drinks. Amazing that he tried to pass down the history that the criminal in the family was his six-year-old, was his six-years-old child. But anyway... Once that was solved, we started looking for Jan's death certificate and we couldn't find one. We looked everywhere. And long story short, there is no evidence of this man ever having died. So I'm left with two possible alternatives. I'm the descendant of a vampire, which would be neat. Or two, the most likely theory and my personal favourite. Favorite, someone who was after Jan in the US found them. And my great-great-grandparents simply falsified Jan's death, then got remarried after a while, with him using a different surname. Once we started looking into the supposed second Jan, there is no evidence of him having existed either. Oh my God! They had no children. We can find no relatives or documents for him. Really, the only thing we have is a picture of Sophia with a with a man who could just who could easily just be a friend doing them a favor. So yeah, either my great great grandmother really did bury both her husbands in the same plot, or she helped her only husband to falsify his death and assume a, a, a fake new identity. Either way, she is a legend, and he's possibly one too. Holy shit. This is amazing. Oh my goodness me. So like, I know we have this on-running joke that I'm not a huge fan of history, but this kind of history is amazing. Oh my goodness me. What a fucking legend. Also, what an incre like, incredible family myth kind of legend and story to have. Like, in your personal history. I think that's amazing. Like, you could... Uh, your great... Was it great, great? Two greats? Great, great grandmother totally needs to be written into a story. What a hero. If you would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion. Something big, something small, or something in between. Doesn't even have to be your rebellion. You can email your rebel story to Becca over on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to new patrons, Claire Sager. At, oh, hello, Claire. Claire is an amazing author. You need to go and check out her work. She writes fantasy romance and pirates. Uh, and Annette, a big thank you to all of my existing patrons too. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content like joining the Slack community, the Rebel Patreon masterclasses, the movie nights, the poison and prose sessions where you get to ask me questions or we can just write together, you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. This episode is sponsored by Pre-Writing Aid, but rather than me tell you all about why I adore them, I'm going to let Lynn, one of my patrons, tell you all about why she loves using Pro writing Aid. 
Pro writing aid isn't just for your manuscript. Don't get me wrong, it's great for that, but it's also for your website content, your newsletter, and your social media posts. You can copy and paste any text into the web editor or use one of its many software integrations so you can edit anything and everything you ever type. Because let's face it, you can't really copy edit your own work. You miss something. And I, for one, am fed up of crafting my messaging, hitting tweet, and immediately spotting the typo. There's nothing left to do then but curse the Twitter gods for not giving us an edit button. Pro Writing Aid is an editing tool for formal reports to Instagram posts. Not only does it help with catching those annoying typos, but it flags when I've slipped into using passive voice and it suggests fixes and explains the problem so that I can learn for the future and write better content. That's it from me. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am joined by TikTok superstar AP Beswick. Adam is the best-selling author of the Levanthria. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Excellent series, which has taken readers on epic journeys from corner to corner of the world. While mastering the craft of fantastical storytelling, Adam simultaneously embraces the rewarding challenges of family life, as well as being an authorpreneur. Hello and welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Before we dive into the content, would you like to tell everyone a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Uh, Yeah, sure. So it's been an absolutely insane 24 months. Um, I started writing about six years ago now. Um, I started out doing bedtime stories for my children and my eldest at the time told well asked me to write a proper story um and i jokingly said to her that when by the time i'd finished writing it she'd probably be old enough to read it and thought didn't really i had a few ideas but hadn't really started any writing and then i went for a weekend away with my wife mrs bez um in edinburgh for the christmas markets and came away super inspired we did all the harry potter tours and sites and stuff like that um, and all the gothic settings and found that when uh, my wife fell asleep on the train on the way home that I had three hours to plot a story and that's where my first my first ever book got its outline found myself really in the mood um, kind of becoming obsessed with writing the story and I think I started writing it in the January finished writing it by May and then spent the next 18 months figuring out how on earth you publish a book and got really obsessed with the whole indie author scape, became obsessed with Jenna Moretzi, um, <laughs> watching all her videos religiously, even saw a podcast with her that she did with you on there, um, which was awesome. When I met you in April, I was proper fangirling. <laughs> um, and yeah, just started absorbing as much information as I could when I could, because I had um, I was running a complex learning disability service at the time as a mental health nurse. And then I was also had my my young family and wife um, to support. And yeah, so it was finding those pockets of time to keep writing, developing my skills on creating a book, saving up scraps of money where I could to create my book cover, get my book formatted, all these elements, mailing list. It's a, it's a never ending dark hole that you you end up going down that, that rabbit hole. So, once I'd released my first book, didn't really do anything. Um, wasn't deflated a year later because I, I was under the impression, you, you know, if you're releasing a book a year, that's that's what I needed to be aiming for. Um, so released my second book, again, wasn't making much money at all. Didn't, didn't make anywhere near back what I'd invested in them. And then I pivoted a bit um, and started writing this dark fantasy series, which came about because of a challenge from my wife, because I was grumbling after watching the latest Robin Hood film with Taron Edgerton. Um, I'm a massive Taron Edgerton fan. Um, I found I can't probably said his name wrong then. My brain is mushed these last few days. It doesn't matter. Um, we all know the handsome fellow you're yes, talking about. <laughs> um, it wasn't that I didn't like the film. It was the I always I'm one of these that it's always at the end of a film. It's very rare that I'm like that was a fantastic ending. And I'm really satisfied by it. And my wife got really annoyed and just said, well, if you think you can do better, write it. And I was like, right, I'm going to write a book um, <laughs> that's Robin Hood. And then I decided, well, I wanted to do a fantasy retelling. So more 
the tropes than the same character um, and looked at, right, what, what's a traditional trope? How can I flip that on its head? Um, let's make him so he's not necessarily a nice guy and actually he's he's a debt collector at the start of the story um, and kind of took it from there and then it, that grew into a... I wanted to write a pirate theme book and then I thought, wouldn't it be really cool if I interconnected these stories, but each book was inspired by different British folklore. And then the characters that were just passing characters in first book started to grow in my head while I was writing the books. And then I was like, oh, that would be really good for the third book. And then the third book became a St. George and the Dragon retelling. Um, so again, the flip on the trope there was um, what if St. George was the dragon? Um, so he's like he's a cursed lizard man, and it's a it's a redemption story, and then King Arthur and Merlin, and so on and so forth, which leads me up to this Sunday on Bonfire Night when I've got a Guy Fawkes fantasy retelling coming out. Oh, amazing um, timing! Lots of writing um, going off on a tangent there. So two years ago, I started posting videos on TikTok on TikTok, um, and noticed that this new retelling series that I've started was actually making money. Um, and what was exciting was it wasn't costing me anything. I wasn't having to pay out for advertising that I didn't necessarily have had the money. Um, me and my wife, we live, you know, paycheck to paycheck. So we didn't have the spare money to invest loads into marketing. So TikTok was this new concept, kind of grew during COVID, as we know. And it was uh, January 2022 that my friend said, why don't you take part in this TikTok challenge? And I haven't looked back. And so everything blew up for you and you're also blown up on Instagram as well. Like, obviously, you've got the methodologies down for creating yeah. these viral uh, videos. So I'm going to ask you about that uh, in a little bit. But first of all, let's talk about the authorpreneur side. So I, yeah, like I said, we've known each other since uh, April when we met in Seville. And in April, I think you were, you just opened your TikTok shop or somewhere around there, you'd opened your TikTok shop um, and you were selling direct, moving more into like taking control back. Um, but you've gone through a couple of iterations and you've changed sort of the methods of, of what you're doing and how you're selling direct. So can you talk to me or talk to listeners a little bit about like what prompted that in the first place? How did it go? And like, why have you changed? How have you changed? What is it that you're doing now? Yes. Yeah, so um, 2022, I just had a real mindset change when I saw my videos were starting to do well. And when I say do well, end of January, I'd made £100 on my new release. And for me, that was amazing because it was £100, pure profit, no advertising. So I just kept repeating that process and tweaking what was working, what wasn't working, and what people were engaging with um, to to get people to see, see my content. And then a guy, a TikTok shop came out around... May time, I think, in the UK. And someone from TikTok approached me to say, look, uh, I think books could sell, start selling really well on TikTok. And I can see you're an indie author. Why don't, do you want to try selling your books on TikTok? So what that meant for me is that that mindset of obviously the more people have to click, the less chance you've got of a conversion. So my thought process was as well, if people could watch a video, click and buy my book straight away, that would be fantastic. So I set up a Zoom call, had a conversation with him. It was summer last year. Um, and I bought five books as a test. And within, I put them all as signed copies. So they were slightly dearer, thinking no one's going to buy these. And within a day, they'd all gone. And then I used that money to buy 20 books and then so on and just kept growing my stock. And I've literally got this cabinet is just full of all my books. Um, for direct sales. So with TikTok Shop, you're responsible for the distribution. So orders come directly to you. You print your labels. You've got five days to ship those products um, via whichever provider you choose. The rates were good. I think for the first 90 days, it was 1.9% that TikTok took as commission. And then after 90 days, it was 5%. So even then, it was still a good margin. And my costs were the print costs of the books. Everything else was profit. After that, obviously, you've got your packaging. Um, so I just found that as a platform, that was growing and working really well. Um, by, I think it was July and August last year, um, 
that the, the TikTok shop sales on its own was enough to sustain a, a full-time wage for myself. Um, what I have found, though, it, it was very labour-intensive, so I, w- I was writing less and less and less because I was getting that many orders in, which was absolutely amazing. But all my time was being spent, pack- I was literally every afternoon, um, any spare time was spent packing books, and that carried on right through till when I went full-time up until about April this year. Um, all my time, even when I was full-time, was being consumed by managing these orders, um, which if I was in a position to hire someone to do that for me, that would be great. And it's something I'm, I'm, I kind of actively look at, but I needed to look at how I can streamline that process because I could see that the direct selling was working. And then I went to a mastermind event in the summer. I think it was end of June. It was after um, the SPF in London and met a couple there who were, they were a husband and wife combo in Laura Burton. She, she does the writing and her and her husband have set up the store and they're now they're off. They're moving to America soon. They're amazingly successful, you know, and it's all since going, focusing on direct sales. And again, it was for that control over your, your intellectual property. Um, and what I found is that we had a really good conversation. I thought those methods are brilliant. And then stupidly, I sat on it for two or three months. And all the while, my books have continued to be successful. And, you know, these big platforms, they do help us in the authors make an income. But I was finding myself frustrated because I was generating all, literally all of the traffic, so much of the traffic, and getting the smallest piece of the pie. Um, and it was only kind of mid-August. I'm quite impulsive in that sense that I'll have six, seven projects going, be uber-stretched, and then I'll think of an idea and think, that I'm going to be hyper-focused on that. And it just so happened when it came to August that my hyper-focus went on to, I'm going to open a Shopify store. Um, it was my audio books that triggered it um, because basically what that showed, what my conversation with Laura and Ross showed me was, focus on the digital products directly. I'd been focusing on physical products that I was packing and shipping myself. It's very labor intensive, but digital products aren't, they're already made. So once it's set up and there's, and you get them selling, you're getting hundred percent of that profit. Not, I think when, when I was with my audio books, for example, I was exclusive and getting 40%. So when my books were doing really well, I, I was getting a, you know, I was getting a good chunk of money for them, but the company doing nothing was getting 60% of the profit, which just didn't make sense. And it, it was frustrating me more and more. And I'm the kind of person that if something's frustrating you, you, you need to take action before it becomes all consuming. And yeah, so that's when I started um, with my Shopify store and started integrating digital products. And the reason for that was, unfortunately, with TikTok shop at the moment, you can't sell digital products through the platform, um, which I've had conversations with TikTok Shop. It'd be an absolute game changer if we could sell our eBooks on TikTok Shop. Um, and I think that hopefully there are conversations between TikTok and BookFunnel. Um, and I know, I know they're in um, conversation with BookVault around fulfillment, because again, that would be a game changer, but I've kind of had to put TikTok Shop on the back burner just because of the time, how time intensive it is and focus on Shopify because I've got all these automations set up, which means the fulfillment of done by other people, which means I can focus on my writing, which is ultimately what makes the money. So have you closed your TikTok shop now? Uh, no, I've just put my stockers out of stock at the moment. Um, and I've still got good relationships with them. Um, it's more for me, I, ha- I haven't got the time to to be spending half a day every day packing, packing books um, because I've got, a business that I need to run and there's only me here. Um, and that's what, you know, I used it at the time to help elevate my platform, get new readers. Um, while, and whilst that was working for me, that's, it, it had my full attention. Um, I think when integrations, for example, with book vault come into play, then I, I'll get that set back up and running. Seamlessly. So do you, do you not do signed books anymore? Are you having like, for example, book vault fulfill everything and they're just physical copies there's no yeah so book vault do all my fulfillment um and another direct element um people can focus on is kickstarter 
So that's where I do my signed books. I don't, I haven't done a special edition Kickstarter, but I've managed to find a way of using Kickstarter to one, do my signed copies, but every book release I do, a, I've done this year, for example, I've done a Kickstarter that's coincided with that. So people will get the latest book in the series signed by me, but also they'll get the chance to buy signed collections and I've got custom-made gift boxes I've had done and badges and artwork and all the added extras. And I just oh, run two or three of them. so much like, to talk about. I, yeah, I, I could literally, I don't think 40 minutes is going to be long enough. So. No, well, so this is a lot of what I have been doing in the background. I've set my wife off on some research. Okay, so let's talk a little bit then about the tools that you are using. So you've mentioned Shopify. Are there any other kind of like software bits or tools or like, I don't know, gadgets or anything that you're doing that has like really helped you kind of streamline what you're doing? Um, I think my, my most powerful tool has been my iPhone for, for creating the video content, uh, first and foremost. Um, yeah, I've just got a, a, a normal IT setup at home, laptop, keyboard, microphone, um, and obviously my my iPhone. I've got three iPhones now from my upgrades, and I've kept all my accounts on there because different accounts to post videos. Um, so, yeah, with Shopify, it's... It's more obviously you you need to pay. I think at the moment you can get three months for a pound regardless of what kind of tier you, you choose. Um, but the top tier is about £350 a month. It's not cheap by any stretch. But with that, and the key thing, and this is why I really like, I'm an advocate for Shopify with direct selling is you have all your customers' data. People can opt in and subscribe so that you can contact them when you sell a book. And so you you can send an email directly to people that have bought from you previously to say, I've got a new book out. And because you're a returning customer, you can have 10, 15, 20% off as well. You're in control of all of that. Um, so it's it's the analytics. Um, Tech-wise, it, it's all the usual stuff, you know, um, convert kit for, for my newsletter subscribers. I've got a story origin account. Um, uh, you, you do end up with lots of, different platforms that you end up subscribing to to get different things from like canva um book brush <laughs> the list can be endless so it's more platforms that i'm subscribed to rather than actual technology that i have um, i think one of the really important one for me was getting vellum uh, just from a formatting point of view that that was an absolute game changer and the best 200 dollars that i've spent so Definitely. far yeah, I agree. Vellum is a massive game changer. The first book I ever published, I formatted in Word. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Never again. 18 hours it took me yeah. to get it right. Never, ever again. Yeah. Um, okay. We all know that one of the benefits to Amazon is that people are already there ready to buy. So how are you driving traffic to your Shopify store? Um. So what I've done now, so all my social media always had a link tree in and I'd always direct people to Amazon. So what I've done is pivoted from there. So I've removed all my links to Amazon. Um, my links are on all my social media. Direct, I direct everyone to my store. And then what I'm finding is people that don't want to buy from my store, they'll go to Amazon to buy the books anyway. Or because I'm in the process of setting up wide uh, through draft to digital all my ebooks are wide now so that people what i'm finding is people will just go to whatever platform they're comfortable with to buy the digital products or now, so that's quite a like that's quite a move so what and i don't necessarily you don't need to give me like tangible numbers but in terms of a percentage what percentage of your kind of income was ku before you decided to go wide so ku so this, this is where it was the exclusivity cause that when I looked into it, it wasn't actually generating me that much more money. Um, so I wanted to take the risk of pulling out of the exclusivity and going wide. But my whole indie career, I've always been in ACX and Amazon, and that's been it, in KU. And in September, I... Well, they, they would, I made more direct selling than on Amazon, but what I found was I had my second best month of sales in September on Amazon, even though I weren't I wasn't directing anyone to Amazon. 
But at the same time, I did for Amazon, I have got a lady that I hire who, an ads manager, she she runs my Amazon ads. So I have got some money being invested in ads and that's the only paid advertising I, I really do now. Um, but that's because I'm not directly sending, I'm not consciously sending people to Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, so my new series, the Ruby stuff is in KU, but I'm definitely thinking about um, starting the new series, like doing a direct period and then going into KU or or not. If I earn enough, then maybe I'll just keep it wide. I would prefer always yeah, to be so wide. I, <laughs> I think what's, what's kind of proved to be working more so on Shopify at the moment is bundles. So people want to get these bundle deals. So what I can do is offer my eBooks and audiobooks for less. They get more quantity, yet I make more money with the sale. So although it, so like for example, you can get all my audiobooks in my Levanthria series for twenty one pound fifty, um, but obviously that would take you six five credits. Um, over on Audible, for example, so it takes you five five months of payments to get all the books, um, or a one off twenty one pound fifty payment, and you get them all in one go. So there's more than fifty percent savings. It's about sixty percent saving of what you'd pay to buy each audiobook. So people like a bargain, but I'm still making more money from that than I would selling them all individually on these bigger platforms um, yeah, um <laughs> so september was a, a test month to see how it goes and it, it's been a game changer i've just had two back-to-back like really successful months for me as an indie author that's as you know we're not living paycheck to paycheck as full-time authors but it, i know the next 12 months of my salary is secured so that the amount of pressure that that takes off because i can pay myself a, a wage that sustains our family lifestyle and um, make sure my kids, for example, have got the things they need and the bills are paid. And I'd, I'd, I'm not, I just pay myself what I was earning when I was the band seven nurse. Um, and I'll continue to do that. And that's how I see it is that that money's secure now. So I can, like the whole of next year, my focus is just going to be writing more books. And I can do that now because this year has been about the growth and the marketing and getting all these systems set up. Um, that, that, Nothing's truly self-sustainable, but once you've got an understanding of how these systems work, you, you can manage it yourself. And if obviously, if you're growing, there is the option to start employing people to manage that for you, which is the, the kind of route I'm going to be going down, just because then it's you probably find it yourself. Is you, you Ideally, you want to sit at your desk and, you, you know, you're a full-time writer. People think you sat at your desk nine till five, and I'm I'm responding to emails at eleven o'clock at night in bed because someone's got a query or there's been an issue that they've not received the books um, properly or something's been damaged and I I'm literally doing I'm the customer service I'm I'm the sales manager I'm the marketing manager and all these other things aside from writing books as well so yeah it's, it's about getting everything set up it's good to do it yourself because you know how everything works. Um, and obviously it's cost effective because you're not having to pay anyone to do it. Um, but if if my goal now is now that things are kind of at that sustaining stage is getting people just come in and, and kind of watch over those things for me um, so that so that I can get back to um, focusing on the writing. What are some of the mistakes you see like maybe newer indies making when it comes to selling direct? Um, um haven't really seen too many going direct as, as a brand new indie. And I think that could be your biggest mistake um, is putting all your eggs in one basket when actually if you spend the time and, and look at the platforms, you can have your books on KDP and you can have them wide and you can have them on your own store and it just gives people more avenues and more choice for their preference. So you have a lot of people that are, if, if they connect to you as an author and your book, you'll have some people that will say, I'd rather pay more, but support you directly. And you end up with more in your back pocket than that money going to a corporation. So the more options you give people, the the, the better you're going to be. Like I, I'm, I'm not kicking myself because I think every, everything's about learning and how you evolve and how you adapt to situations. And um, 
from my nurse background, I was I'm a very reflective person anyway. So I wouldn't change anything for how my paths ended up, but I think I could have been here two years earlier had I not got stuck in my ways and just relying on a single platform. Um, but at the same time, would I be here now if I hadn't done that? And if I, do you know what I mean? You, you end up down that rabbit hole of what if. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think the biggest mistake would be not not looking into selling direct and thinking that you have to put all your eggs in one basket to start off with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about like changing the link tree links in your um, bios and stuff. What what methods are you using? So social media is the predominant method that you're using to drive people towards your store. So what what are you doing on social media to encourage people across to your to your shop? Um, so I've just got the link in my store. So if if I get and then if I get any comments saying where are your books available. I've just switched that mindset from saying, oh, they're available on Amazon to uh, my stores in my bio. I've, uh, they're available from my store. Or if people say, is this available on Audible or is this available on Amazon? I'll say, yes, the books are available wide. However, you'll get the best deals on my store. And and then it's their choice then where they want to go. Okay, cool. And so in terms of like the what you're doing on social, it's more videos or is it more static images or like how are you approaching your like method of engaging on social? Video content is king. Um, static images, you know, I've I've uh, 180,000 followers now on Instagram. Wow. Um, which is absolutely insane. I put a static image up the other day 50 likes no one sees it um so i think it, it's understanding your demographic that that's my demographic but I, I do think and what i've been testing same with video content it very much get out the mindset that you post once a day and if no one sees it you just wait till the next day and you post again because it's mentally exhausting continually posting don't be afraid to post the same content three four five times in a day because the same the same video on the same day yeah yeah so september was very much a month of testing for me so i'd post a video and i'd know within five minutes whether that video was getting any traction based on the likes that were coming through and then i just delete it and then half an hour later i'll try again and suddenly this video had 200 likes within the first five minutes so i knew that was being pushed out to my followers i don't know the rhyme or reason for it but all i found was if a video didn't post work, I'd delete it, try it again a bit later, a different time. And then I kept doing that until it started being shown to people. And that method worked. Um, and then again, I, I had someone comment trolling me saying, your content's boring, you're always posting the same stuff. And they ended up getting, I had to like step in because people were just trolling the troll on my behalf saying, well, how else is he going to market his books? Like, if you don't like it, just move on. You don't need to put negative comments on, stuff like that. Um, and it, it, it's that mental block. So the video, I've got a video that's viral at the moment. It's got 2 million views. I posted it the day before. It got 2,000 views. Exactly the same video, same sound, just a different caption, no hashtags. Um, and that just shows that just because it hasn't done well yesterday doesn't mean it isn't going to do well today. So don't be afraid to recycle your videos, repurpose them, try different, you know, change the song or the sound that's with the video, change the caption you're using to figure out what is going to engage and convert. People want to root for us. They want to cheer people on. So the, the videos that always do the best is that what I found is the ones that tell a story in eight to 12 seconds. So you've not got long to do it. And within that, you've also got to have covers. All your marketing principles, you need covers that convert. You've got to have a a hook that gets people. Now that could be um, your series. It could be you as an author, telling your story about how you became an author. But people are really engaging with that video context. And we're all storytellers. So we should be able to tell a concise story to draw people in so use use the things that people are going to be drawn towards so when i first started out i noticed they were that people were drawn to the fact that 
I was a nurse as well as an author. So I started making sure in my po- my videos I was saying I I'm a I'm a nurse and an author, and this is this is my dark fantasy series I've written. This one's inspired by Robin Hood. So there's a few th- different things there that people can. You'll have people that will be drawn in because they're a nurse. They've found some. They found something in common with me, or they they might be drawn to. Oh, I love Robin Hood. Oh, I love fantasy retelling. So there's, there's a few different elements, and I was managing to get all that information in in one tiny little paragraph. So it's. It... So when you like, what is the level of views by which you will delete a video and then repost it? It's just a couple of hundred views. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so if if it reaches it a thousand and and I'm because again in September I was really hyper focused, so I was putting so much energy into Instagram because I'm always testing. Um, and Instagram, I started noticing my traction was building up because I was saying I'm going to start selling direct. I've got a store, so then I just started doing different types of videos. But I I already know that reposting isn't an issue. So I I just leave videos on, and then later I'll just delete the ones that have only got a couple of hundred views that didn't really get traction. And then normally with Instagram, what I always found, same as TikTok, TikTok's you like pitching to a brand new audience every time because 97% of your views are people that aren't following you um, from the For You page. And Instagram had been the same for years, but what I noticed in September is actually the videos that were getting crap traction and high views were going out to people that were following me. So, and then the ones that were then getting the most engagement from my followers were then being pushed out to a wider audience. So that's why if I could look and see that my followers weren't engaging straight away, I'd just repost an hour later or two hours later, or think, right, that this time isn't working. I'll try again at five, six o'clock and just literally all through the day, trying different times, posting once. If it doesn't work, try again an hour later. If it doesn't work after then, I'd maybe give it a, a few hours break and then try again. But yeah, I'd end up posting. And it'd be the same video I was posting throughout the day because, you know, our focus needs to be on the writing. So we haven't got time to be constantly thinking of new ways to film videos and you don't have to. So I have my my breakout moment was when I had a viral video on Instagram on TikTok. Sorry, last last August it got one point nine million views on um, TikTok. That video has now gone viral five times. What? So, from me reposting, so it went viral again. That same video reposted it got about five hundred thousand views on TikTok. Um, it's got one repost has had five million views on Instagram. Another one had, um, I posted it again in September, got another two and a half, three million views. And then when I was scrolling through to see my check my analytics, I'd put, I didn't even realise I posted it last December um, and it went viral in December as well and got two million views. So that that is the same video that I'm just repurposing, I'm just not changing anything, just reusing it. And it, it's generated over 10 million views from reposting. And you keep those videos, even though you're well, reposting, you keep the video on there because yeah. obviously it's getting traction. So there's clearly something in that video that is connecting with an audience over and over and over again. And that's what you need to not have that barrier of thinking, oh, I've already posted this once. Just use what works. It's no different than if you're running a paid ad that's working on Facebook, for example, you're just doing exactly the same, except the beauty of Instagram and TikTok and same with Facebook Reels is it's free. So why would you target giving your money away again so the marketing companies can earn more money than you are where you can post your videos for free and use that as your test? And then those videos that convert, use them as your paid ads as well. Set up paid ads because you know the message that in it is converting and it attracts readers. All right, so what tips have you got for going viral? I, the best videos I've got, I've got one that's done 11,000 views and one that's done, I think, 42 or 43,000 views. That's it. They're my top two ones. So what can I do? What is there? What what methods can I do to tweak how I'm doing videos to kind of encourage those views? Other than, like, obviously, I'm going to take down some, well, not take them down, but I'm going to download them and repost a few. Yeah. But what else can oh. I do? Your video that got 45,000 views, how many times have you reposted it? 
None. Right. Why? Because that that's proved to convert. So the message there. So all you have you literally download it. Remove the. You don't even have to remove the watermark. But if you remove the watermark, just re reuse it. Cross promote it. Po post them on your Instagram. Post them on your TikTok. Yeah. Like I I film my videos on TikTok because they're better for it's it's an easier app to use to film. But now, and more so because I did three videos every day for the whole of 2022, I've got so many videos that I can just download. And But I'm repurposing all the ones that I know have done well. But if you were listening to the conversation earlier, just because a video hasn't done well today doesn't mean it isn't tomorrow. So don't be afraid to repost ones that have got good engagement. Look, look at ones that have got favorites and likes and people have, have you know replied to comments and stuff like that because those are the messages getting across so again the beauty of tiktok is you can remove the sound you've used and try a different sound so you could try you you know i, I tend to use a lot of rock covers on my songs because the it works well with my books um but I've also just I'll, I'll try trending sounds and see if that works and converts. And if it doesn't, it's a no video. So it, it's, it literally takes seconds to do. Um, but the proof's in the pudding. I, I basically started going to my TikTok, going to my analytics. Literally, you can get it to list all your videos in order of highest views to lowest views. Didn't and then that. just go in and download them one by one and then start posting them. Instagram is the place to be at the moment. If you're wanting to convert... Um, views into sales and for me at the moment instagram is an absolute game changer it's 95 percent of my stuff's coming through instagram at the moment and you always change your uh caption and hashtags uh, yeah I, you always try different things because you're always seeing what what works um so i've not been using hashtags for a couple of months now and i've had three three viral videos since september and that's on Instagram and TikTok. No, that's on Instagram. Anymore. I've not had any. I've, my last viral video on TikTok was end of April, beginning of May. What I love about you is how adaptable you are, and like how willing to like pivot and experiment. Like I think I think I pivot fairly well, but I I also resist doing a lot of the stuff that I know. <laughs> good for me not quite sure why I do that I need a bit of a slap I think um you're a massive inspiration and so this has been so interesting um what do you wish kind of last question what do you wish you'd known two years ago uh, don't be afraid to put yourself out there so I I started chronicalizing my writing journey on Instagram when I'd, I'd written my first 11,000 words um I was on a weekend break with my wife and my daughter, um, my youngest, and I just took a picture of my word count and started posting updates and thought, right, I'm got my Instagram, I'm going to use that for my accountability. So I started posting once a day, a bit of an update on me writing my first book. And when people said about videos, putting yourself on camera more, absolutely not, absolutely petrified. First TikTok I made, I literally couldn't hold the phone. I was shaking that much just filming myself in a room when no one else was watching. Um, and it was a real mental barrier for me, but it, it, you don't necessarily have to, in this day and age, put your face to your books, but you, don't be afraid to make that video content. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, yes, you need a bit of a, a thicker skin and stuff like that, but it's no worse than getting a one-star review. It breaks your heart the first time it happens, but it, you get stronger for it and you eventually you just learn not to read them do you you know draw be, you want to focus on the positives and the those that have got that positive energy around you than giving you the time of the day to people that are just you know someone's not enjoyed the book it that, that's not my problem it's not their problem you know that's going to happen if someone's saying something negative to you on your social media just ignore it move on block them you've got all the control in that situation not them um, so I would say, yeah, the, the, it, I, sh I wish I'd have gone to video content sooner um, because it just really started helping my mental block of telling my story as well as my book story um, and not 
being worried about posting three, four, five times a day, um, but reusing content that that's been a game changer. Getting over that mental block for me. Wow. This is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Okay, so <laughs> I, I I attended a mastermind event in June. Um, it was at a, a five-star adult-only hotel. Um, it was amazing. It was an absolute life-changing experience. Um, and we had an evening meal every night and we which was lovely, um, but I noticed the wine was getting slower and slower to be passed around. So as as we were leaving, I may, I may or may not have stumbled across a bottle of wine that I brought home with me from this five-star hotel. Um, and it tasted like vinegar. It wasn't even nice. I, I can go to test. I can go to Tesco and get a bottle of jammy red root that tastes nicer. Um, five, six pounds. Um, but what, what I then did for the next three months was every now and again, I'd just have a little glass and it'd give me that little reminder of the mastermind event because I didn't want to let go. Um, but yes, I may have swiped a bottle of red wine from a five-star hotel. Oh um, my God, I love it. <laughs> it was being given out at the the buffet. So that was my rationale. It's not like I led behind the bar and grabbed it. Um, <laughs> so if I'd have sat on the table long enough, I'd have eventually been fed this bottle of wine. <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's hope that doesn't go back to Craig Motel. Might not invite <laughs> oh, me to the next one. <laughs> no, I love it. That's hilarious. Tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your books and anything else that you'd like to add. Yes, yeah, so uh, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. Um, TikTok, AP Beswick Author and Instagram. Uh, I don't go under my pen name there. I go under Northern Writer. And you can find my books at www.apbeswickpublications.com. Thank you so much for your time today and for the fascinating conversation. And of course, a big thank you to all of the show's listeners and all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You were listening to Adam Beswick and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm joined by my work wife, Helen Scheurer, and we are going to be talking all about how to launch a successful series. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.